This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your desktop or mobile device. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. these books. I thought I'd take some light reading in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, Trek FM's dedicated books and comics show. I'm just one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me tonight, looking resplendent in his podcasting robe, is Bruce Gibson. Well, hello there, Dan. How are you doing? (laughs) Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, it's kind of one of those most interesting man in the world things, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't usually podcast, but when I do, no, that doesn't make sense. We podcast all the time. Yeah. Anyway. I don't even know what you're talking about, Dan. I think you're like drinking something that isn't agreeing with you. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too excited because we have a really special feature today in which we're talking to Sarah Gatos and Mike Johnson of IDW. But before we get to that, uh, we do have a couple of news items. First of all, as I'm sure most of you out there have heard, Star Trek Discovery has been delayed kind of to an unmentioned date in the future. We're not sure exactly when the show's going to air. But unfortunately, that also means that David Mack's Star Trek Discovery novel is very likely delayed until around the time that the series airs, whenever that's going to be. Yeah, and I think uh, I heard him mention somewhere that he was okay with that because it just gives him more time to work on the novel and and make it even better. So uh, whenever we get a date for Discovery, then we know that's when we're going to get the novel. And we'll also get uh, a proposed comic series that has been talked about, too, around Discovery, which is it's really exciting because every time we get new Star Trek the first thing that comes to my mind is, ooh, I wonder what they're going to do in the books and comics. And so even Mm. when uh, the Star Trek 09 came out uh, with the Kelvin timeline, I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, are we going to get books and comics? And thankfully, we've been getting lots of comics uh, filling Mm. in that period of time. So I'm, I'm excited just that we've got new Star Trek coming whenever it's going to be. I mean, I was I was upset that it wasn't coming in January, like they said, and then it was going to be May, and I was like, I can hold out till May, and I'm not now. I'm I'm just not even going to think about it. When it's here, it's here, <laughs> and then I'll just get all giddy with excitement. 
Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a good news, bad news thing, you know, both in, with the case of the show and in the case of the novel and the comics, they have more time now to really get it right. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. And we do One know interesting... it's coming because, I mean, they're already yeah. in production. We've seen, uh, I don't know, did you see that trailer that had come out showing behind the scenes? Oh, man. That was, you know, as an old school Star Trek fan that always talks about, oh, you know, the the uh, the humanity behind Star Trek and the ideas and the exploring the human adventure. That trailer was all about all that. And yeah, that made me pretty giddy. So that was pretty cool. It makes you feel like they're going to get it right. I hope so. <laughs> oh, man, do I ever hope so. It, I, I have a good feeling. So. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully. One interesting thing I did see posted was somebody posted a screen cap. I think it was from Amazon showing the revised release date for the Star Trek Discovery novel. Now, the date that was shown on Amazon was December of 2025. Now, I'm thinking that's just a placeholder. They've kind of thrown it out on the calendar way up ahead. That, I hope, does not mean the series isn't coming until 2025. Uh, but with the delays we've seen, you never know. But uh, no, definitely, we will get it before then. It's just one of those placeholder things. Uh, just something funny that I saw that made my heart stop I, for just a moment. I don't find that to be very funny right now. <laughs> I, can, I cannot wait that long. Maybe it means something else. Maybe it means that another series after Discovery is going to start in 2025. I don't know. I just... <laughs> Let's hope that does happen, that we do have another series in that time. And just keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah. 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 Got to keep our Trek fix going. You know, if you go too long without Trek, you start getting shaky and really not feeling I mean, good. Think about so. it. I mean, we are so spoiled. So spoiled. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, we've had five live action Trek series with a sixth one coming. We've had an animated series. We've had, you know, 13 feature films with a 14th coming we've got you know 700 800 novels and hundreds of comics i mean and we still say why aren't we getting more where's the next thing <laughs> i mean we are so freaking spoiled i am not complaining i am that's not so true <laughs> that's so true well and i mean later on when we talk to uh, sarah and mike of idw you'll hear just how many different comics series and stories they've had a hand in and uh, it's crazy. I mean, the amount of Trek that uh, that's out there really is uh, at spoiler levels. Like we're, we're really getting spoiled. If you went in, if you went back in time 50 years and said to Gene Roddenberry, all this would ha be happening. He'd say even that probably won't happen in the future. I think he would be very shocked. <laughs> mm, I don't think that's going to happen. People will forget about this show by the time it goes off the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Well, speaking of all of the many different stories in Star Trek that we've gotten, we do have a new comic to talk about this week. We have Stranger Worlds number two. Now, this is the second issue in the second Star Trek Green Lantern crossover series. And man, I, I just finished reading this one uh, moments before we started recording. Bruce, what did you think of this issue? I'm actually really liking the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover. And as I mentioned uh, when we did issue number one, that I haven't read the first volume of comics, which I'm going to when they come out as a collection in a trade paperback. Uh, I think that's coming in April. But 
I've read issue one and now this issue number two. And I'm like, you know, this is really working for me. I'm getting into this right now. I'd say it might be my favorite of the new comics that have been coming out the last couple months. Wow. Yeah. Um, right there with you actually on this one too. I really enjoyed this one. The first issue was kind of really setting up this second story. We learned that the rings are running out of power, but this one is really where we start getting into the meat of the story. We get these, these manhunter um, robots, I guess. And this green lantern story is really taking off here. The pieces are really starting to fall into place. And I don't, Oh, as much as I desperately want to, I don't want to spoil the very end of this comic because, guys, you really should, if you're following this series, you know, pick this issue up and and read it through. There's a there's a surprise ending that I'm not going to give away, uh, but it's a lot of fun and it makes me really excited to see where it goes from here. So uh, definitely a, a high recommend from me on this one. Yeah, say, I, it, there's just a lot of good storytelling uh the art is fantastic um it's just a really different take on star trek it feels like star trek but at the same time it feels like a superhero comic with the green lanterns in here um mm. the, it it melds well together you're kind of getting the best of both worlds in my opinion it's maybe feeling this issue a little more heavier on the green lantern side, but it's definitely got a star Trek feel to it. Um, and yeah, and this is the Kelvin timeline, star Trek fused in with green lantern from DC comics. So, um, definitely recommend it. Um, can't wait till next month for issue number three. Definitely. Well, if you want to get into contact with us to share your thoughts on this comic story or anything else that we've been talking about on the show, uh, you can contact us a number of ways. There's a form on the Trek FM website at trek.fm slash contact. You can leave us a voicemail, look in the sidebar on the show page, or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm to do that. We're also on Twitter at trek.fm. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And while you're on Facebook, check out the Babel Conference. Just type the Babel Conference into the search field on Facebook. Or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. That's our listeners only group in which you can interact with all of the people behind the shows on Trek FM and talk about anything to do with Star Trek, post pictures and all that kind of stuff. Now to get the podcast, I mean... So many ways you can do that. Go to iTunes, search for Literary Treks, and while you're there, leave us a star rating and a review if you have the time. We'd really love to hear your thoughts on the show, and it really helps us rise in the search results on iTunes to help Star Trek fans find us. Now, we also have a Goodreads group. Bruce, why don't you tell everyone about that? Well, you can find us on Goodreads uh, by just typing in Literary Treks, and you can go and click on joining the group and then we will approve you right away. We're pretty quick at doing that. I notice sometimes these emails come in saying someone wants to join the Goodreads group and I go to approve them and they've already been approved and they only sent the email like two minutes earlier. So <laughs> we're pretty good at getting you approved. And then you go in there and we're discussing Star Trek books and comics and the Goodreads group. And you can also keep up with what books are coming up that we're going to be discussing on future episodes 
of literary tracks. And as a matter of fact, Dan, I think we probably need to make some updates and show what books are coming up in the next few weeks uh, here in February. Definitely. Yeah, we're going to be uh, doing some interesting books over the next few months. So we'll definitely get that updated. Uh, And just a little bit behind the scenes tidbit here. If you uh, ask to join the Goodreads group and you get approved within about two minutes, that's probably Matt doing that because he is really quick on that. So, you know, sometimes I get those a few hours after they've been sent and, oh, nope, they're already Yeah, I assumed it was Matt, too. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think I hear our guests closing in on our door, so we better uh, welcome them in and get talking about some IDW comics. Yeah, let's get them in the door. It's cold outside. They want to get in and, and warm up. Well, folks, we have a big treat for you guys tonight. As you know, we review all of the IDW comics, the new releases as they come out each month, and we have a special, a couple of special guests on tonight. Sarah Gatos and Mike Johnson of IDW have joined us. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. We're really excited to talk about all of the comics that we've been really fortunate to get from Star Trek in the last few years. It's really been a kind of wealth of new Star Trek stories from you guys. Yeah, we keep keep pretty busy. (laughs) So what we did is we took every comic that you've ever done, and we're going to go through page by page of every single one <laughs> of them. <laughs> so we'll I'm be so here ready for, for this. a few hours, okay? Everybody just, you know. No, at I'm, least. <laughs> I, plan to be, I plan to rewrite as much as possible, so this is a good opportunity for me to fix everything. Okay, great. You have, you have the next couple days free, eh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, basically, to start off with, when we get new writers and new uh, people involved in Star Trek stories on the show, we kind of like to ask how they first came to Star Trek. How did you guys become Star Trek fans, if you consider yourself fans? And how did you come to be working in Star Trek comics? Yeah, you want to go first, Mike? Because I'm older, right? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm, close, I'm closer yeah. to the original series. Yeah. That's right. Uh, uh, I was a... I, I was a little kid in the seventies and uh so I missed the original series when it first aired, but I saw reruns and some of the first toys I ever remember were the big mega um cloth fabric tunic uh toys from TOS and uh they had these bright blue plastic phasers and like just one of my earliest memories as a toddler is playing with those with those characters. So as long as I've been conscious uh, you know, these characters have, have been in my head and, and then growing up in the 80s and watching the great movies like Wrath of Cunts or Spock, Foot's Home. Uh, and then I was really, I mean, I really am a next generation baby. I mean, I remember sitting watching watching that show when it first premiered and in the days before DVR and, you know, having to videotape every episode to see you rewatch them. And so I'm really a sec- uh, next generation baby. And then um, when I grew up, I went out to Hollywood to work in the film industry in some capacity. I ended up working for Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, who uh, wrote and produced the uh, the Star Trek reboot in 2009. And while there, the, the talk came up about doing a prequel for the 2009 movie. And I had started working in, at, at DC on uh, writing comics. So Alex and Bob just were like, you do it. So 
there's a team of us that worked on that book and, and that was really launched the Kelvin verse at IDW. And ever since then we launched the, the main ongoing in 2011 and that wrapped up with issue 60 and we just launched boldly go. So it's uh, it's the best job in the world. <laughs> That's my origin story. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. And Sarah, so how did you kind of come to Star Trek and uh, what, what exactly is your role in Star Trek comics and, and how did you find yourself in that position? Yeah, um, so my origin story, I was bitten by a radioactive spider. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I definitely am a TNG baby. Um, I was not really exposed to a lot of sci-fi, uh, but for some reason um, my dad started showing me episodes of TNG and I just wanted to live in that world so badly. Um, it really spoke to me as kind of just this utopia where teamwork is valued so highly and, and these people, um, they're all different, uh, but they all bring something so special to the table and they just try and be the best at what it is that they do every day. So that was kind of my, my first entry into it. Um, little Gatos, little me, knowing that now I'm editing the Star Trek comics would probably die of happiness. Um, so I was at DC Comics as well for about seven years. I worked at DC um, in the in Wildstorm, Jim Lee's studio. And when I heard IDW was hiring an editor, um, I definitely applied. And one of the first things they talked to me was about if I was a Star Trek fan, which I enthusiastically said yes. Um, and so I took over the series from editor Scott Doonbeer, I want to say around issue 24. So that was in 2013. Um, and I've been editing pretty much all the Star Trek material ever since, with the exception of the John Byrne stuff, which my boss, uh, Chris Ryle, edits because he has kind of a more direct relationship with Mr. Byrne. So do you share yeah. your comics with all your friends and say, look what I'm doing. I'm doing Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, they say, oh, that's so cool. You must have so much fun. And, and it is a lot of fun. And we're very lucky. Um, it's also a lot of work. It's an incredibly large amount of time intensive material that comes out every month. Um, so we're kind of always on our toes. But at the end of the day, we have this beautiful comic that we can hold and be like, man, I can't believe we did that. Now we have to do another one. And <laughs> three weeks. <laughs> it just never stops, right? You have to just keep going and going and going. It never stops. You, you never really have a moment to say like, yay, good job. It's like literally, okay, on to the next thing. You're probably already late on the next three things that you're supposed to be doing. So there's a lot of me calling Mike and being like, Mike, help. There's a, there's a reason though. I think one of the reasons that we've had um, great support and feedback and the books are you know, the, the license is starting at IDW is because of what Sarah does and how much work she puts into yeah. it. And thank you. the fact that it's such a, um, we have a very tight team, um, but Sarah is able to herd all these, uh, all these cats, all these space cats uh, coming yeah. at her from, you know, the scripts and the art and the lettering and the colors and then the production issues. And she, you know, she plays psychologist to all the, uh, uh, fragile freelancers and um, I do. she's very much the captain of the starship. So uh, it's Thank been you. great. And then we have, we have a, uh, we have a great, we have great partners at CBS, John Van Sitters uh, and our Paramount liaison, uh, Risa Kessler. I call Sarah John and, and Risa the brain trust. And, and it's this really tight team that, that work together, 
now for years. We trust each other. Uh, and we also really enjoy each other's company as friends. So I think having a tight group that can really speak frankly to each other also and give each other notes when, when we need them um, goes a long way towards making mm-hmm. sure that the product that comes out the other end is is worth people's uh, you know hard-earned money at the end of the day. Well, I think that that closeness and, and how well you guys work together really shows, I mean – towards the end of the ongoing series, I mean, you guys were putting out some really amazing stories. And to me, one of the things that I think of, like when I think of the Kelvin timeline, you know, yeah, we got the three movies, but most of the time that I've spent with those characters has been through those comics. So, you know, some really great, really incredible stories and that have made that universe, I think, more real for me than some of the movies have. Yeah, that's the magic of comics, right? Yeah, we we have the space every month to kind of dive deep into these areas that a that a movie will never be able to cover. So there just isn't enough time, and even a TV show really to do these kind of deeper idiosyncratic kind of nuanced storylines. Um, yeah. Comics and novels is pretty much where it's at. Perfect, and I mean that's why we exist as a podcast here to talk about all those really great. You know, what what a lot of people think of is just the side stories, but I think for kind of a growing number of people have become the main way that they see and experience Trek lately. So, you know, kudos to you guys for sure. When you say see, I mean, at least on the formerly the ongoing book and now Boldly Go, um, the, the third part of our trifecta is Tony Shastine, um, who has, I think, brought a consistency to the book at such a high level and somehow he just keeps getting better too um yeah so i think in a way it's almost you you know what to expect with him and then he just finds a way to like double down and surprise you over and over again um and he's able to bring something of himself to the table in his own taste and his own style and still, it looks like it's a freaking frame from the movie. He, he's able to capture the likenesses in a way that makes the licensors happy um, and just is very faithful. Um, and that's always aided by the colorists that we have. Um, now we've got uh, J.D. Mettler, who I loved on Ex Machina, um, a comic from Wildstorm. And before that, we had Davide, um, and he was doing a great job, too. So we're very lucky in that department. Sorry, I was just, I was saying, and there's just enough lens flare to really uh, evoke that universe too. <laughs> Absolutely, you gotta have lens flare. Come on, yeah, it's, it's not, like it's, it's not like the, the universe. We should probably add a credit for the lens flare in the comics. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> um, just to second what what Sarah was saying, for for a writer, it's really a it takes a lot of the pressure off when I know that like the, to, anything I write, Tony's not only can draw it, but is gonna make it look even better, and actually. Sarah, I meant to mention this to you. I was talking with Ryan Parrott, who's my co-writer on a few Trek stories, and and we were talking about pages that are coming up uh, that Tony's drawing for a new Vulcan story. And Tony adds details and frames panels in such a way that he's enhancing the ideas on the page. He's, he's, he is storytelling as he's going. He's not just – and he's doing this on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. uh, which is – which is golden in comics because as Sarah spoke earlier about the production cycle, which is so relentless. So Tony's not only just a great draftsman, but he's a storyteller and he's getting it in on time. And and I just feel, I I don't think I'm ever going to have another experience 
where I have such a great partnership with, with one artist where we can look back at the work that we did together with our names on it. So I just really, uh, I try not to take it for granted. It's, it's a blessing. Yeah, the yeah, visuals definitely. the visuals is really so much part of the storytelling. It's that writing and the visuals together, that art. I mean, it just the the comics look so great. I mean, even the characters look so much like the actors from the movies. It, mm-hmm. It's it's flawless. I I really enjoy it. So, and we saw so much of that in the ongoing series and now that stopped at issue 60, and then a couple of months later, we picked up again on Boldly Go. So what are some of the ideas behind the Boldly Go series, and is there what's the difference between that and what was happening in the ongoing series? Well, the comic book world loves a new number one. Um, so after 60 <laughs> issues, I mean, there's very few comics out there today that go for 60 issues, and I think Mike makes a really good point. Wasn't this the longest Star Trek run? Of a, of a comic series? That I'm not sure. Now, now Mike has written the most Star Trek comics out of anybody. We know that for sure. Um, I'd need to crunch the numbers on if it's the longest-running one. Um, but that's it, it, totally a testament to the support of the readers. But after the movie, the, the movie kind of made a nice little break for us, um, frankly, because, spoiler alert, they took the Enterprise pretty much out of commission so Boldly Go is operating kind of at the very end of the movie in that little flash-forward sequence where they're actually rebuilding the Enterprise. That's exactly where we are. And in our minds, that doesn't just take a week or two. That takes a couple weeks. And Mike has this whole theory of, like, well, they're basically in space military. They're not just going to be sitting around waiting for it. Right, Mike? Exactly. The, you know, Starfleet wants their officers working. Um not just enjoying cocktails like we saw at the end of Bully Go. Uh, <laughs> although those were well-earned cocktails, but no, Starfleet wants them working. So, you know, there's uh, crews are changing all the time. Ships are coming back from missions and going out on new ones. Uh, so they have assigned, and as people who have read Bully Go have seen, they've, signed, they've assigned Captain Kirk to uh, be the acting captain of the uh, Starship Endeavor. So we meet new crew members there. Bones, uh, there's not a chief medical officer position open, but in any case, Bones pretty much just wants to stay with his buddy, partly because Kirk's his best friend, but also just to keep Kirk out of trouble. So Bones agrees to be uh, just a regular medical officer on the Endeavor. And then uh, Spock and Uhura go off on a sabbatical to New Vulcan for for Spock to sort of get a, a, a taste of his Vulcanness. Um, after being out on the Enterprise for so long. And for her, she loves it because she's all about almost like an anthropologist and being able to immerse herself in a new culture uh, is great for her. And then Scotty goes off to the to Starfleet Academy to teach, uh, and he has brought Jayla with him. So uh, we see we're going to see more of Jayla uh, as a Starfleet cadet. And then Sulu really was sort of the – the heart of our board story, uh, he was, what am I trying to say? He was, he was lieutenant commander uh, of uh, first officer of the ship, the Bryant, which was captained by, by uh, Craig Terrell, who was, uh, we know from Wrath of Khan. So, um, but one of, the, one of the tricky parts is splitting them up is great because it puts all the characters in new um, environments, which is great for writing, but... We also don't want to just be following five different strands every issue, and we need to find ways to 
naturally bring them back into each other's orbit so they can interact because people want to see Spock and Kirk together. So it's been a really fun challenge and, and uh, I hope people are enjoying it. And it's going to be tough to do that for a while because we don't know when the next Star Trek movie comes up when that is coming out. Mm -hmm. So you could be doing this for another couple of years of having them all Mm -hmm. in their own little adventures. And yeah, you're going to want to bring them together and, and find some reason to have them interact quite often. So I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I'm glad to hear Jayla's in, in the comics now too. Yeah. Issue number five, which is kind of an all Jayla issue is one of my favorite things I think I've ever worked on. It's just, it's fabulous. Um, So I can't wait for people to read that. I'm excited to hear about that one. I I love Jayla. She's a terrific character. So to see her continue, I think, is is really excellent. I I think that comes out. I I think it's out on the 15th of this month. Maybe. I was poking around the internet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So keep your eyes open. It's a great Valentine's gift. (laughs) Perfect. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. So um, kind of moving on crossovers are kind of something that we've been seeing a lot of lately. In fact, uh, earlier in this episode, we talked about uh, the second issue of the new Green Lantern series. And from the sounds of it, they've been very popular. I mean, you guys have done Doctor Who, uh, Green Lantern, like I mentioned, Planet of the Apes. We've got Aliens coming up, which I'm really excited about personally. Is there, uh, are there any more that you can maybe hint that might be in the works or any that you might be interested in doing if the opportunity arose? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, people love crossover. I think especially in comics, it's, again, something that makes comics special. It, you know, probably we will never see an actual Star Trek Green Lantern movie or anything like that. So, yeah, we're working on the second volume of the Star Trek Green Lantern book now, and it's going great. Uh, we have another wonderful relationship with um, Angel, who's the artist on that book as well, um, and we love working with him. He he is great with the likenesses, just like Tony is, but he brings this kind of um, superhero vibe to the book, which is exactly what we needed, because um, my evil master plan with, with these sort of things is you, you kind of sneakily get the Green Lantern fans to start reading Star Trek books <laughs> and then bring them over to the regular series um, once they see how great and fun everything is. Um, we were actually talking about that yesterday. Uh, Sarah and I were, were talking about how I've seen some Trek fans feedback that, that says, wow, there's a lot of Green Lantern. And, and to be like, to be totally honest. Yeah. Part of that's like, cause I want to write some Green Lantern now, you know, <laughs> like I get a chance to write some Lantern stuff. So I'm going to put some Lantern stuff in it. But also I think because I do want to get, more eyes on Star Trek. So I want to attract Green Lantern fans who feel like, oh yeah, this great Green Lantern story. But then they really like these other characters um, and they want to read more more Trek. So it's definitely, uh, we're sneaky that way. (laughs) Very sneaky. Very, very sneaky. I'm always a little hesitant about Star Trek with crossovers, but I have to admit that these are so well written that it actually is believable that these two different universes, whether it's Green Lantern, Doctor Who, or whatever, would cross over. I'm really big kudos to you guys on that. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, the Trek licensors, Risa and John, um, they don't let us just cross over with anything. Um, And I think that's good. I mean, I don't really want to cross over with any, just anything either. You know, for one issue, maybe anything can happen and it would be fun for 20 pages. 
But to expect for someone to come back for five or six issues, you need something going on story-wise other than, whoa, isn't it weird that these two people are hanging out together? Um, and that's where Mike in Star Trek Green Lantern and um, the Tiptons uh, for Planet of the Apes, uh, from a writing standpoint, gave people a reason to come back. And then um, Angel on the art for Green Lantern and Rachel Stott on the art for um, Planet of the Apes, they're just able to um, really entrance people and tell the story so well. So it needs to have a reason to exist um, beyond one issue of figuring out how these two people actually came to meet. Yeah, and this is a great medium, like you said, that allows you to do things that will not be done on screen. We're not going to see a movie or a series that crosses over Green Lantern with with Star Trek. And, and I think that's also kind of the setup for Waypoint, too. Could you give us an idea of what what Waypoint is all about? Because they're not just your typical Star Trek stories. Yeah, definitely. So if it were up to me, um, we would have a TNG ongoing and a Voyager ongoing and a DS9 ongoing. But frankly, there are a lot of comics in the world and people have a limited amount of money. Um, so for the 50th anniversary last year, I wanted to do something special for all the fans of Star Trek, um, regardless of what their their you know most favorite Trek is. Um, so I came up with Waypoint, which is a bit, uh, I consider it an anthology. So it's 10-page stories, completely self-contained stories from all iterations of Trek, um, including like a gold key style one. Um, I want to do like an animated style one, Enterprise, the whole shebang. And these are stories that I think they're a little bit more idiosyncratic, a little different, a little, maybe not strange, but just something unique um, because the 10 page story length is kind of an odd one, but it also allows you to do stories that are kind of special. It's basically like the difference between a short story and like a 600 page novel. So we have, let's see, one, two, three issues out now, I think. I'm working on the fourth and the fifth one right now. And they're just an incredible joy. And, you know, I've gotten some feedback from some of them. Somebody will love one story and an issue, and then the other one isn't that great. But the fact that people keep coming back for more and more, I really appreciate it. Um, and I, I would love to keep doing this book maybe once a year um, and just keep doing these different little stories, uh, different kinds of tracks, focused on different characters, um, maybe some behind-the-scenes people that normally you wouldn't see front and center. But this is kind of a nice way to see them. Well, it's a lot of fun for me to open up a new issue of this because especially after the last issue that we talked about with the uh, Naomi Wildman story to kick it off, you just never know what you're going to get when you open it. And uh, Good. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was perfect because by the end of that story, I was laughing out loud. It was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that I've gotten the most guff on, um, definitely. But, you know, I, I kind of knew that one was a roll of the dice. But I just loved it so much. And the licensors loved it so much. I thought it was so sweet that I just, how could I say no to it? And then to pair it with um, Cecil and Megan's story, The Mother's Walk, which, you know, in a way it's also a female-centered story, but it's completely different and has this huge emotional weight. Um, I hope that taken as a whole, <laughs> it kind of balanced out for people. And hopefully it did. Well, I was kind of wondering, just with regards to Waypoint, I was wondering if you could put together kind of a mission statement, like what exactly you're trying to accomplish with Waypoint. Because I've kind of had a, a hard time when people ask me about it, putting into words exactly 
what it is. Um, you know, how would you kind of the one sentence elevator pitch for Waypoint? I guess I consider an anthology book um, focusing on small stories from all iterations of Trek. I think that's probably the best way I can and, and do it. I think some stories are a little bit weird. Some stories are a little bit more emotional. Um, we're going to get to some stories that are incredibly kind of visually sumptuous um, and some stories that have a bit of action to them too. So they're hopefully a little bit of something for everybody. Very cool. Well, another thing that, that we're getting soon are, are kind of, and we get these occasionally are the kind of one-off stories. One that's coming up that I'm really fascinated about, uh, the what if tale, uh, where Romulans make first contact with earth versus, uh, the Vulcans. And we kind of get almost like pocketbooks had their myriad universes, uh, anthologies before this is, this seems to be kind of a, another one of those stories. What was kind of the genesis of that story and, uh, what other kind of one-offs might be we be seeing in the future? Yeah, this one is it's really cool. We're working on putting it to the printer right now. It's written by Donnie Cates and uh, art by uh, Josh Hood with colors by Jason Lewis. And it's a 24-page book that's part of our. It's called Deviations. It's um we've done this twice as a company now, where it's a series of one shots from different licenses. So this year I think it's Judge Dread, I think it's X Snow, uh, Orphan Black. My Little Pony. They're, they're all these kind of what-if stories. Um, last year, I think it was X-Files, um, G.I. Joe, and some other ones. So what, what, the way that we like to think about it is, um, you know, in the, in the story that we know about Star Trek, something at some point deviates, um, and it changes everything from a story perspective. But what stays the same? You know, what, what parts of the characters are going to be the same no matter what kind of situation you throw them in? what changes. Um, it's a really fun exploration. I love this issue and I cannot wait for people to see it. Um, it's a little Mad Max. It's um, a little political. Uh, it's very emotional. Um, I'm very, very proud of it. Great. Well, you know, we've been asking you guys all these questions, so we're going to delve into some listener questions that they have for you. We have oh, cool. the Facebook group called the Babel Conference. And so some people posted their questions there. So I thought we'd jump right into them. So we have listener Justin Osser who asks, and this is for Mike, what do you find inspires you most when writing comics? Oh, I think that's a good question, Justin. I think it's um, the ability to not be constrained by things like uh, a budget, like film and TV, um, that you can really write and artists can draw pretty much whatever you can imagine. Um, for Star Trek in particular, uh, Sarah and I have been talking about this, is the optimism that is inherent in the franchise. Just, I think it's been good for my mental health over the last few years <laughs> to have, uh, to be working on a project where you know, it's not always sort of super happy rainbow endings to, to everything, but um, it is about problem solving and it's about working together and it's about uh, hope and belief that the future is going to be all right. So that's what inspires me about about writing Trek in particular. That's that's really exciting to hear that because when people ask me why I like Star Trek so much, that's uh, it's very similar to my answer. So just the the thought that those ideas are behind what you're writing is, is it's very heartwarming. Oh, <laughs> uh, good to hear. And, you know, people always ask, 
Star Trek or Star Wars. I mean, I love them both. I actually, I actually love not working on anything Star Wars because I can just be a, a fan, you know? Like, I wouldn't trade my Star Trek work for anything in the world, but you're sort of behind the curtain a little bit. Whereas, uh, so I think both are, are I, I think that's a false dichotomy, but the important thing is that Star Wars is about a galaxy far, far away. Like it's, and Star Trek is about us, and it's about our future. And we can actually still make Star Trek happen, uh, which is another really inspiring thing about it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we do have another question uh, from Brandon Shea who's uh, another host on Trek FM and uh, an associate producer of Literary Treks. Uh, he wants to know, in particular, if we will see another crossover with the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I would never say never. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun, um, but no spoil. I don't want to spoil anything. But the way that ended, it definitely leaves some some options open. Perhaps. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally gonna spoil it. All right, so perhaps they won't be going back to that planet anymore, um, considering what happened on the last page. But but there's always a possibility that we could continue the story. Hmm, I'm intrigued. I haven't read that one yet, but I'm going to. Um... So the, the last page when I read it in the script, I was like, oh, my God, this was totally worth it. This was awesome. So <laughs> I highly recommend it. Oh, great. Now I'm going to be up late tonight because now I'm going to want to read it. Oh, OK. <laughs> 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 so, OK, listener Jared Cooper has a question about the Star Trek Green Lantern crossover. He says it seems to be successful and he wants to know how are the prospects of that line continuing? Will we see, I guess, a third volume of Star Trek Green Lantern? That's a great question, Sarah. Yeah. Well, the way that Mike uh, is doing this is really smart. Um, I think after you read volume one, you realize that Mike has basically set up this alternate universe in which there's basically lanterns and Starfleet. Um, what kind of tech is going to cross over on each side? Um, so volume two, we're doing that kind of in a way uh, that's similar. Uh, this is a story that it's going to have a satisfying end, but it still leaves it open for more issues. I think, um, unfortunately, the biggest determinator of that is uh, sales. Uh, they're still going strong right now, so just let IDW know you want to see more, and hopefully we can make that happen. Definitely. There's, um, I'm actually working on the, the script for issue six, the final issue now, and I know what the final page is, and as Sarah said, it, it will resolve this arc in a satisfactory way so that if it's if it is the last one it doesn't feel uh like a total cliffhanger but there's a little cliffhangeriness to it that's sort of a fun nod to uh to both franchises that i hope people like and i hope people read it and they're like ah we gotta have the third one and, and they they just uh deluge idw with letters and emails that's right. Excellent. Because yeah, when that first uh, volume ended the way it did, I, I could kind of couldn't believe it because it was, you know, you expect certain things with crossovers and, you know, everything wraps up and you put the toys back on the shelf when you're done kind of thing. But yeah, the way that ended was a total game changer. And I, I was grinning from ear to ear reading that because that was so cool. The idea that, you know, there's these two universes mixing. Yeah, and that's credit to IDW and DC for being open-minded to that. And to, and to John and Risa at CBS and Paramount to, to not be, uh, you know, really super precious about it. And, and, and the most important thing being what will fans enjoy and what mm-hmm. what is fun. So, uh, yeah, credit, credit to the, just the, the teamwork of the, of the publishers involved, the companies involved. 
Okay, so Jared also had another question about the Waypoint series. He wants to know if mm-hmm. uh, it says IDW's Trek output is sticking its toe into the Prime timeline. Any chance that we'll be seeing more of this moving forward? So I guess he's wondering, since we've seen so much Kelvin timeline uh, comics, will we see more Prime timeline? And just to point out, uh, Christopher Backa is asking about a miniseries in the prime timeline. Kenny Crawley Jr. is asking about TNG ongoing. Marsha Pratt's asking about <laughs> mm-hmm. Enterprise. So there's definitely interest in all these different series. So can you tell us if there's a possibility we'll see something more in the prime timeline? Absolutely. Um, you know, the the first thing that we're doing, it's a little bit of a weird one, um, but um, Mirror Broken, the, the TNG uh, Mirror Mirror series that we're working on right now, kind of our first foray into the prime timeline for, for this year. And uh, there's definitely more stuff coming later this year that I can't really talk about quite yet. Um, but I want to do, I want to do way more in the prime timeline. It's hard. I want to do a little bit of everything, like I said. So it's, it's all about trying to find that balance and see what gets people excited. Very cool. And of course, I mean, uh, we're getting a new series, a uh, new television series, Star Trek Discovery, which is in the prime timeline. So, you know, possible tie-ins in the future comics wise with that would technically be prime timeline exactly exactly so yeah i'm i just can't wait to uh delve into that and um get that out to the public as well it's going to be awesome so are there any new comics that we haven't talked about that are coming in 2017 or have we covered them all uh, let me think about it so you know we have um a small thing coming out soon i think it's great for people who maybe aren't familiar with the gold key comics which is basically the first Trek comics. It's a 100-page special um, that kind of has three uh, of our favorite Gold Key stories in there. Um, And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the the Gold Key comics. Um, And then a nice uh, essay by Joseph Bernardo. I'm probably saying his last name wrong, um, about Gold Key and what makes them special and kind of the history of it. Um, And IDW does put out these giant volumes of Gold Key work, but this is kind of a nice entry level, dip the toe into it without um, going ahead and spending big money um, to see if you like it. And they're just so fun. The art is beautiful, even if it isn't, you know, completely 100% correct. Um, They're just a ton of fun. That's very cool. We've actually been reviewing the uh, Gold Key archives kind of a little bit at a time here and there. Uh, So yeah, any listeners out there who you know, enjoy those and, and want to read the gold key archives, but don't want to spend the money on, on those huge volumes. That sounds like a really excellent way to kind of get a bit of an introduction to that. I mean, it really is a whole different universe once you get into it because they're really out there, but a lot of fun. There's some truly beautiful art in those books. So definitely, you know, oh, it's funny and kitschy and isn't this silly, but um, especially some of the covers, they're absolutely gorgeous. So other than that, you know, if, if you have some people in your life that are Trek fans, but maybe they're not comic fans, definitely drag them down to uh, your local comic book store for free comic book day um, because issue zero of Mirror Broken will be coming out then so they can get that one for free um, and kind of get acquainted with what's going on there. And that's by Scott and David Tipton, who if you are familiar with Trek comics, you, you know their work well. And J.K. Woodward, who, again, is kind of an ultimate combo with the Tiptons. Um, their work on City on the Edge uh, is always something that I can point back to to Trek fans and say, you know, you might not be a comic book fan, but this is a really special project. It's a really beautiful project. Um, give it a try. And people will just understand it and get on board immediately. So I'm hoping that they uh, 
get excited about this one too. And plus, I mean, it's near TNG. Everyone has huge muscles. No one has sleeves on. It's like ridiculous, sexy, action-packed revenge TNG goodness. <laughs> so this is like the muscle series then. <laughs> yes. There's a lot of muscles. There's a lot of plotting going on. People have evil goatees. Um, but again, you know, it's not the mirror universes um, are a little bit more nuanced than just everyone's evil. But it's a ton of fun to work on. And it's really different than, you know, the Kelvin universe where everything's about hope and teamwork and science. And this is about like, who can we kill to get ahead? So I'm enjoying it a lot. You know, I'd, I'd actually rather write that. Can I write? Can I write some of that? That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, Maybe you're gonna have to fight that. the Tiptons, but yeah. no, the Tiptons. We've actually had a, a, a nice agreement that they've sort of uh, they do the Prime and I do the, the Kelvin, even though I'm sneaking into the Prime with Discovery. But they get to do Mirror Universe TNG, so you yeah, know, that's it's just pretty too, fun. That's too cool. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Hey, so Mike, here here's Volume Three for you: Star Trek Green yeah. Lantern. Mirror Universe. Mirror Universe of Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Growing green goatee. Did we discuss... Excellent. <laughs> remind me, I think, did we discuss before the podcast that anything you say I can steal and there you go. IDW can use without... Did I remember that correctly? That As long uh -huh. as I'm allowed to read these things, you can take any of my ideas and do oh. anything with them. <laughs> we'll send Perfect. We're not monsters. We're not monsters. We'll send you free issues. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I will frame We're them. In. <laughs> I like it, though. I liked it. I Yay. like it. Awesome. Well, um, kind of one final question. Uh, are are there of you guys working on any other comic titles at IDW besides Star Trek that our readers might be interested in? Oh, my God. I work on a lot of comics. Um, <laughs> uh, another series that I really love that um, – you know, it might not be at first blush uh, super similar, but the Gem comics, Gem on the Hologram, um, you know, Gem has this weird kind of sci-fi bent with synergy um, and hologram technology, um, and that's something that we're going to be kind of exploring in the future, so I'm excited about that. IDW has um, a lot of these classic brands like Turtles uh, that I like to also point people to because similar to Track, it's this kind of long cultural touch point but the quality of the comics are just like off the charts so that and our transformers line i think have kind of almost created their own idw universes in the absence of or in addition to the movies and the animated tv series and stuff like that um so you know licensed comics have come a long way um, in terms of being able to be as quality as your Batmans and, you know, your top tier comics. So those are, those are some ones that I definitely would give an eye to. Very cool. Well, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, where might our listeners be able to find you if they wanted to follow you on social media or, or, you know, stalk you on the internet to get any hints about what might be coming down the line for IDW in the next year? Yes, I post a lot of cat pictures and animated GIFs, so if you want to see that, um, it's <laughs> at Sarah Gatos, S-A-R-A-H-G-A-Y-D-O-S. And uh, I'm at, uh, on Twitter, at Mike Comics, uh, M-I-K-E-C-O-M-I-X, which is my uh, homage to my favorite comic book as a kid, Asterix. Uh, <laughs> and there I post, I'm trying not to post 
uh, just freakouts about the state of, of the planet. I'm trying mm-hmm. to post fun yeah. stuff about the future. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I do actually, I want to post uh, some more behind the scenes stuff as we go and, and um, you know, keep fans in the loop, not just when a book's coming out, but as we go. So Great. We'll be looking for you online. I'm already following both of you. So it's uh, definitely a pleasure to have you here on the show. And I th- it's your first time for both of you on Literary Treks. And I'm hoping it's not the last. You're here. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely not. I, anytime you want to to uh, talk Trek, just don't, let me know. Happy to, happy to hop on. And, um, you know, if you have, like, questions about a particular issue you want to talk about, I'm happy to do kind of uh, – director's commentary kind of thing whenever you want awesome well we definitely look forward to that and uh yeah look forward to hearing from us because we'll definitely take you up on that offer (laughs) thanks guys i can't believe that sarah and mike have never been on literary tracks but i'm going to go ahead and say that they are honorary members of this family that they are welcome back anytime they want and it was great because they even after they finished having a drink and having a snack, they, you know, cleaned their dishes up and put clean the their glasses and put them away. They're they're welcome to this house anytime. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, no uh not wanting to criticize any of the other guests we've had on the show, but man, these guys were just the perfect house guests. Well, there's uh, that one author, but I won't I won't say who it is. Yeah. Yeah, we won't mention any names. And there was that one past co-host, but I won't say any names. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely actually a couple of them, but I won't <laughs> we won't talk about that. Uh anyway, well Star Trek comic books are not the only thing that we've been discussing on the Trek FM network. Here's a few th- other things that we've been talking about on all the shows on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. It was kind of a, a creepy, scary, very intense episode i really like this episode because it pulls you in and it seems very realistic and so so you, you I, I like mary. when it does it you're, you're a mary, like mary fan yeah I like so mary, mary was one of the ones i i was kind of jokingly referencing where it's like well you know if you leave this one out of the rotation it's not really gonna hurt anybody oh i definitely uh, thought you meant the next one no <laughs> well maybe so earl gray and there's these 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 spooky aliens and like they look like ferrets and they're fighting and like Picard is like possessed by this like thunder and lightning and the crew are like gonna have a like are gonna go up against him but they're like no we gotta respect the law man and it's like that you know if you respect the law someone will end up being a cloud man you know to the journey what would you have done well I'd have like programmed my tricorder open the door lob it in shut the door quick <laughs> Try that first of all. So hope you would does, lob a tricorder probe. Hope it into doesn't the break as yeah. it lands. Well, you could wrap it in like some gaffer tape or something. Some bubble wrap. The six oh two club. And that feels like a, a turning point in the movie where they seem to go toward this moral of the story that they even repeated at the end, which is, you know, don't be so busy trying to make a life that you forget to participate in the present of where you are. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So catch all of those shows on your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you do, if you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, 
you'll find all of the goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all of the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us, and we hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to thank our associate producers, Ken Tripp, Greg Rosier, Brandon Shemutala, and Norman Lau for their support of the entire network, and specifically for being associate producers for Literary Treks. Now, Bruce, when you're not chasing green lanterns all over the galaxy trying to figure out why their rings are not able to be charged, where can we find you? I can't travel very far because my ring is losing charge itself, so I I need to find a battery pack. In the meantime... They got to get these micro USB things. I mean, they're they're handy. You can plug them right in. I don't understand. Oh my gosh, I love my battery case on my iPhone. It's a lifesaver. If I could only get that from my ring, I'd be set. But you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And if you want to hear me talking Star Wars, you can find me on the Star Wars Report with Riley Blanton and Mark Hurlman. I'm producer over there, and I'm on the show quite often, more than I probably should be. But I'm there, <laughs> just doing whatever. And I, oh, oh, and if you also like Star Trek, April, Star not Star Trek. Of course you like Star Trek. I mean, Star Wars. If you like Star Wars, go to Star Wars Celebration in April. I'll be there. Matt Rushing will be there. Dan's not going to be there, unfortunately. But, uh, but if I anybody's going, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll meet up with you and say hello and hang out and geek out and everything like that. So I think, oh, and you also, you know, when it comes to Star Trek, you can always find me in the Babel Conference on Facebook. So Dan, when you're not reading your gold key comics wishing that you had big ears like spock where can people find you <laughs> things are like a foot tall if i tried to instagram myself with them i could never get them in frame speaking of which i am on instagram at kurtrats 47 i'm on twitter at kurtrats that's k-e-r-t-r-a-t-s you can find me on youtube at youtube.com slash kurtrats productions you can find me on facebook in the babel conference talking about star trek uh, you can find me babbling about Star Trek as I walk down the street. I mean, honestly, guys, it's all I do. <laughs> anyway. He's in the babble conference. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, live long and read on. You call that light reading? To each his own, number one.